Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. I can't believe it, Chris. We are at show number 25 of the Middle Age Warriors. Rick Summers here and Chris Semino over there. And a special guest coming up for you in just a couple of minutes. But Chris, just your reflections on 25. Yeah, you know, it seems like this, to be perfectly honest, like it just got started. I, I When I looked at the number of the shows we've done and the number of guests we've had, when you start to do this every week, time flies. But we've had some great guests, and it's been a lot of fun. And today is certainly one of those cases where we have a, a great guest. Happens to be a cousin-in-law. I don't know, is that a term? Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, a great guy. And I'm going to give a little bit of information out about him before I introduce him. He's appeared on the Broadway stage in a couple of little shows. You may have heard uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, An American in Paris, Anastasia, Falsettos, Les Mis, Overachiever. Yeah, Overachiever. We're talking about the one and only Maximilian von Essen. Max, how are hey, you? Hey, Max, welcome. Um, um, thank you. Love that intro. I feel like I, I had a career once. <laughs> uh, we all feel that way. I know. Not about you necessarily, but about all. In, in general. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Middle Age Warriors. And you know, when I first reached out to Max, it's kind of awkward. I've known Max since I believe you were three or four years old. Easy. And, yeah. Yeah. So it, it felt weird to say, well, the show is Middle Age Warriors. And then I started doing the math and I'm like, well, maybe you kind of are. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I don't really want to admit it, but technically, yeah. Well, you fessed up. You wore it very well. And then that's look, you, <laughs> you look great. And, and, and you know, you've had a wonderful life and career so far with a lot more to come. But I guess the first thing you know, I want to talk about in being an actor, particularly a, a Broadway actor, and those dealing with live performing, this pandemic, what's life been like? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. It's been really tough. And it's discouraging because, you know, I, I just want everyone to take it seriously so we can all get back to work. But I'm, I'm also thinking selfishly because the live performance industry, it will be the really the last, you know, the, the, uh, the sports, you know, people in stadiums or, you know, concerts, Broadway, we will really be the last to come back. And I just want to get back to work because it's for me, it's not... You know, it's not just a job. I grew up loving the arts. It was sort of what like saved me as a kid. It's where I found my home in a sense and I found my community. And it's not just about, you know, paying the bills. I love it on, on so many different levels. I just, I, I really miss it. I want to pay my bills. And I also <laughs> want to like fill my heart again because I, I really truly miss it. You know, uh, Max, if you're a ball player, a baseball player, for example, well, they're playing now, sort of, but they can go to the ballpark or get in a batting cage and take some practice swings. What do you do when you're a, a theater arts performer, oh, a Broadway well, you, performer? I mean, luckily, it, it, in a way, it really is actually, there are a lot of parallels because I can certainly, you know, I'm, as I'm, I'm ch chatting with you, I'm sitting, you know, at the side of my piano and I will get on the piano a couple of times a day just to, just to play some random old song that makes me happy or maybe just dig into something else and warm up my voice so I could keep it in shape. And so we get to do that to an extent as well. But I think, you know, the ball player will say the same thing that he misses, you know, the crowds and he misses the full season and he misses, you know, the official, you know, meeting up with his team and, and training before the season. I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling athletes are similar to performers in a way that we love that sense of 
community and, and teamwork. And it's not simply about getting out there and doing one performance. It's really about the whole process. We, we love it. And it, you know, for, even for performers too, it keeps in me, I, for instance, I hate going to the gym. I don't have a gym membership. I can't stand it. But when I'm doing eight shows a week, that is like, you know, a couple of hours of cardio every day and sometimes twice a day. And that just kind of like naturally keeps me in shape. Like, so here I am getting paid to go to work and it's all, it's keeping me in shape. It's keeping my mind happy. It's keeping me healthy. It's, uh, it, it creates an instant social life for myself with my, my friends that I'm working with. So it's, it's this whole kind of lifestyle as opposed to just, well, you know, I'm going to my job today and I'm going to clock in and clock out. I, I really miss the whole, the whole feeling of it. But luckily, I, you know, I'm still, I still perform. I'll do some live things. I'll do some shout outs for people. I even went into Birdland Jazz Club a couple of weeks ago, a weeks ago and, and filmed my concert, you know, without an audience and just to kind of like, you know, do something. So it's different, but at least I, we're finding ways to still, still get out there and perform. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, as a matter of fact. Uh, you looking at my notes, Max? Are you cheating looking at my notes? <laughs> no. So that, was with, that was with Billy Stritch, the musical director that you wore. And how was that compared to times you've been there? And there is a live audience. Where do you put your head? <laughs> Imagine there were people there. Like, how, how do you play something? You know, it was definitely awkward for the first couple of numbers, I will say. But I got in there and we had um, a camera behind Billy catching his, his, his fingers on the keys, which was great because he's almost cursed because I love him so much. He's, he's so damn incredible. And then we had two cameras out front. And I basically said, hey, you know, what, which one is like going to be like my main camera? That way I can, you know, really speak to the audience because it seemed silly to speak to empty, <laughs> empty tables. In fact, a friend of mine said, did you sing Empty Chairs at Empty Tables from Les Mis? Because if you didn't, you really missed an opportunity there. I said, no, I, I, I said, I didn't sing that song. But it just, it just felt awkward to kind of perform. You know, I love performing there and I love performing to whole space. It's one of the things I, I really love about actually the way I perform because I don't just kind of like stare out at a space. I really love these cabaret and concert settings because you get to look in everyone's faces and take in the whole room. But for here, it was kind of silly. So first couple of songs felt a little awkward, but then it's, I mean, you know this, Chris, like you, you just start, this is, you, you've, you've been doing this for decades. Like you start to trust that beyond that camera is a whole world of people. And I haven't, I'm not really used to that. Um, I, I, I know the audience is right there in the presence of what I'm doing. And for the few t things I've done on television, you don't look into the camera, you know, it'd be, it'd, you'd be crazy. You know, you're, you're, do, you're in your own world. But for this, once, you know, two or three songs in, I, I really started, other than having no, no applause after each song, and I just thought, oh, I just stand here for a few seconds. Do we just start the next song? Um, but you really start to feel that presence beyond the camera. And it was, a it was actually a nice feeling. And then when I watched it after they did some quick edits and we aired it, you know, about two weeks later, I, I really could kind of, I got to watch it, you know, like with an audience, you know, at home from my computer. And it was kind of fun to be, be, with, that, be with them on the other side. Max, I'm curious uh, if you can take us through, basically rewind the tape six months ago to March uh, and going through the shutdown and how it impacted you and how you found out about Broadway slowing down and then shutting down where you were and what that was like. Sure, yeah, you know, um, I remember it all very well because Mar Friday, March, 13th is when is when like I remember it being Friday the 13th and, and Broadway shut down March 12th on that Thursday but about five or six days before I was on my way to Newark to go to fly to San Francisco I was doing a concert there and I was taking the, tr uh, the train from Penn Station it's just easier and I got a call from the producer there and she said we're canceling the concert it was the next day and I just said oh man I just 
was hoping to get, you know, just just in before that happened. But in retrospect, they were really being smart. You know, San Francisco was just hit a little bit earlier. I feel like they had a cruise ship that was there with a lot of cases. It was it was a hot spot even earlier on than the New York City and they shut down really quickly. But I was then supposed to go the next day to Palm Springs and do three concerts. And they said, you know, we're still moving forward. It was a much more intimate setting. And so the next day I flew to Palm Springs and did those concerts. And it really went well. I mean, there's something about Palm Springs. It's kind of like a fantasy land. You really didn't feel like anything. You know, you were listening to the news. You knew things were coming, but it's, it's such a tight, small community out there. The weather is so beautiful and it seems surreal. And I was like, well, you know, it seemed like this couldn't possibly be happening, but I was starting to panic a little bit. But each night we had, um, we weren't doing meet and greets. No one was shaking hands after the concert and they'd be very, very careful. And so they're already starting something, some, some practices like that. Um, but I did the three concerts. It was great. And like I said, I was just starting to panic and I just, I was desperate. I wanted to get on, on the plane back home. I just want to like feel safe, get groceries. Cause from what I was reading in New York, I was like, Hmm, I was starting to get, get scared for New York and get scared for a lot of, a lot of reasons. And sure enough, I got home that, that Thursday morning, I went to the, to the supermarket. As I was there, they declared a state of emergency in New York. And within three minutes, the entire supermarket was swarming with people. And I said, well, this kind of defeats the purpose. And so now I, I'm like literally right. hitting, hitting elbows with people. So I just got a few basic things and went home. And, and then that was it. Broadway was canceled that night. And from there on in, I spent, you know, uh, you know, talk about quarantine, you know, really quarantined from that from that moment on. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, let's be honest, we all know, and you have a lot of colleagues known over the years, not everybody's exactly rolling in the dough when they're actors and actresses. Have you run into people now? I mean, this is a long stretch to go without working. You know, people who've had to just take some something, maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're working at an Amazon warehouse, you know, have you seen people who've had to sort of really put their craft on the back shelf just to make some bucks and oh oh some oh many uh many and and quite frankly i'm really impressed with a lot of my friends and i'm a little bit envious because they've, they've been so driven that a lot of several have gone back to school a couple got their real estate license they move some move out to the suburbs already several moved home which isn't I ideal for them you know they had to give up their their rentals in new york i'm very lucky i bought my place 15 years ago now so it's actually it's paid off. It's actually where, for me, the most economical place to be. So I'm certainly not going to sell it. Like, so it's my own version of going home. Like if I was renting, you know, a studio in, you know, in, on the Upper West Side for 3500 a month and I was a Broadway dancer in my show clothes, well, you can't keep that up. You, you have to figure out something. And it's only a matter of a month or two before you can no longer keep it up. So sadly, a lot of people have had to kind of regroup and give up their apartments, uh, move home, look for another job. And, but I've seen a lot of people have gotten very creative, teaching online, um, doing more concerts online. And then, like I said, some already kind of saying, hey, well, I'm out of here, at least for now, you know, going back to school, getting another degree, a real estate license. And it's incredible what people have, have done already. Because like you said, this is, this is a tough business and the overwhelming majority of people and actors I know aren't rolling in the dough, you know, as you said, it's a, it's a tough business. You know, in the early stages of this, I remember driving through Times Square and seeing an electronic billboard, which is actually still in your neighborhood, I think, on 8th Avenue, that says, embrace the absurd. 
<laughs> and I don't know if you've noticed it or not. Driving through Times Square and seeing the theaters dark has just been devastating, and it doesn't get any easier the more we do it. And I just wanted to know how that is yeah. for you to see everybody just kind of dried up. Oh man, it, it's it's very it's very very tough. There's been a, a a certain side of it that I've I'm trying to find the beauty in this moment, and trying to find like I'm such a you know like Chris you know we're we're New Yorkers and. I don't, it's like my dream was always to live in this, I, you know, grow up being born in Queens, growing up on Long Island. All I wanted to do was to be on Broadway and live in New York City. And I'm, and I could cry just thinking about it, that like I actually achieved it. And so, and having lived through 9-11 and I'm actually happy I was here during 9-11. I'd do anything to turn back the clock and not have it happen, but I'm proud that I was here and it was a very special time and I'll, I'll never, it, it's impossible to explain to people what it felt like to walk through the streets or get on a bus or a subway and to look at some, look in someone's eyes and just know that we were all feeling this together. And this is very, very different, but there's still a sense of New Yorkers and, and, and our strength and, you know, we were hit, the, New York City was hit so hard at the beginning of this pandemic and the way things shut down, and it's very hard to explain to people what it felt like, you know, at the end of the winter and in Times Square until literally it was like a, a ghost town, like you said, see all the marquees dark and I would take a quick walk each night when I knew it was going to be quieter other than in the other 23 hours I was staying inside alone with my cat. I mean, it was like really, it was a tough quarantine, but, and yet getting, we're getting through that and we will get through it. And I'll, I'll still look back and be proud that I was here and that I did get through it. And in, in some ways I keep, I joke around with my friends saying, you know, the moment we're back, we're like theater is back or they're doing a, a workshop of a new thing. I'm going to raise my hand and be like, I'm here, I'm here. You know? <laughs> I'm ready. No, no, I'm, I'm right in Hell's Kitchen. You know, I can run there now. I don't have to, no, no, no I didn't fly home. No, no, I'm ready. I'm here. <laughs> so, so like, part of me wants to be one of those people that just, you know, gets through so I can also be one of the first people, you know, back to work and back to the theater and the arts because uh, there's just like no other place and nothing else, you know, that I'm that I'm gonna do. I just don't know how to do anything else. It's just my love is and my work is all here. Who you are, that it does define you. Like you said before, this is not just a job. This is who you are as a person. Yeah. So all of that has been put on hold, so it makes it, you know, it makes it that much tougher. But you alluded before about. You know, being raised in New York, a dream come true, always wanted to be on Broadway. I'll state something that I remember. I had seen you in shows in little smaller theaters, playhouses. I think the first time I saw you, though, on Broadway, you were filling in as the lead, somebody by the name of Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> and I remember just watching that performance, again, having watched you grow up and develop over the years and follow your dream and your passion. And at the end of that show, everybody's standing up, and you came forward to take your bow and I filled up and I thought, wow, this is what it's all about. This is why you do it. This is why you pursue this. This is why you take those crappy little whatever parts somewhere else. But for you personally, was there a moment you could still remember where you, you, you were on stage and something happened and you're like, I've made it, I've arrived. The dream has, has really come to fruition. Oh man, um, you know, it, Oh, there, there, there have been a couple because it's you kind of each time you feel like you've arrived. I've been lucky enough that something else kind of like ups it one level, and you go, "Oh my God, I, th I thought I arrived before." Before, you know, for instance, like what you were just talking about actually brought back a lot of memories, and it really was powerful because 
here was my Broadway debut, and I'm in the ensemble of Jesus Christ Superstar, but I'm in the understudy. And, I don't, and I'm young, and I'm not really thinking like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go on. Like, that's why I'm here. No, I was in the show. Like, it was already a dream come true. So then the day that I was first thrown on came out of nowhere. It was like noon. They said, Max, you're going on tonight. Go to the theater. I had had no rehearsal. And we rehearsed for, from noon till half hour, which was, you know, 7.30 p.m. They brought cast members in, staggered throughout the day so I could run each scene, learn all the blocking. And you're so flustered and, and, and scattered and you just have to be hyper-focused once the show starts and you're they're literally leap, pulling you this, this way, that way, you run off stage and then it's intermission, I'm trying to catch my breath. They said, oh no, they said, take off all your clothes, we have to paint all your bruises on you so that when they strip you in act two and start beating you, the, your bruises are ready. I was like, are you kidding? So there I'm like, you know, standing there with like a little sippy cup so I get a little water, standing there in, you know, underwear while people are just painting me the entire intermission. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Then I finished the show. They whip you off offstage and they literally throw like buckets of water on me to clean everything off me for the curtain calls. And they put you in a big robe and then I get pushed out and you're the, the last person to bow. And then it's like, oh my God. Like then, then it hits you that, Yes, in a, in a way you have arrived in a sense. And then, you know, years later when I had my first, when it was my first leading role, that was another moment. And then the, the biggest, biggest shift was a couple of years ago when I did An American in Paris. I was a, I was a supporting role, but the, 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 the show in every way was such a dream come true. And then when it was recognized, you know, critically recognized and, and received a lot of award nominations and it was my first Tony nomination and that that was something I guess I hadn't of course I, I've dreamed about it but after you know almost two decades of working that's not really what why you're working you know it's you're I want to be a working actor and so after years you just go well you know yes I hope those things come but that's not why I'm doing it and I don't need it so when it did come with with that show that was a real game changer for me and I don't know. It's just it's it's not what the industry is all about, and the awards and nominations are certainly not what's important. But it's it's certainly a good feeling, especially like we said, being a New Yorker and Broadway's your dream, and you're watching the Tony Awards every year as a kid, and then you're a part of it like that. Well, you know, I'm just not going to play it down because it's just it's just too wonderful. And so I tried to like really allow myself that allow myself to enjoy it. I have to say, and, and not to certainly put down, um, anytime I went to see you, I was always blown away and amazed. But I went to see that show, An American in Paris, and I watched your performance. And I would tell people afterwards, no, he's really got it now. No, no, he's got this down. Because I felt like you, that show, you hit on all cylinders from the musical, the voice aspect, the acting aspect, the comedic aspect. I mean, there was everything about that character. You were... You were like, you know, go to back to sports. That was like your MVP year in my head. Like you hit 40 home runs at 120 RPI, <laughs> that kind of thing. And it really was that kind of a show. And to this day, the friend that I went with, and she's always like, how's Max doing? Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> well, I think you met you met Andrea backstage. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. I have to tell you though, when so when you were nominated, I'm like, no, this isn't BS. This guy deserves this. This is real. <laughs> but it was, you know, and again, that's not to put down other performances. They were all great. But I don't know, when I sat there, and I'm not the most, you know, critic in terms of Broadway critic, uh, but that show was, you were spectacular. Right? I'm saying Thank you. Spot, but that was, you nailed it. You really, really did. Well, it felt, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It felt like 
I had been getting ready for that role my whole life. You know what I mean? I was obsessed with Gershwin as a kid. I knew these songs, you know, so here I am singing songs I learned as a, taught myself as a kid on the piano. And now I'm on the, at the stage of the Palace Theater performing them. The role was actually even, of course, you know, it's different. I mean, it's, it's just after World War II, he's French, but, but it, it doesn't matter. I was still so similar to this guy. If you had just placed me in this other time period, put me in Paris, I could have been that guy. So I connected on so many levels and I could have just walked into the role, been myself. I then, but what I had to do was place the historical context on me. I had to do the research. I had to work on an accent. I had to, you know, transform myself into that time period and, and being this guy in Paris. But it, it could have been me. So it was like so many ways that it was just, I feel like it was, it was made for me. And, and it felt like that. So it felt like a once in a lifetime kind of moment. I mean, I hope to have more. But yep. it, it really felt like a little bit of a turning point of where what things, you know, sometimes the whole universe just works in tandem and you have that special, special role. And that was it. Well, you know, after talking about doing Jesus Christ Superstar, I'm going to play voice of God for a second and just jump in here and remind everybody. You're listening to Chris and Rick, Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. And our very special guest has been nominated for many different awards. Tony's Drama Desk, Outer, is it Outer Circle? Outer Critic Circle. Award. Outer Critics, is there an inner critic circle too? <laughs> I, don't <even> know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when I got that nomination, I said, what? I was like a shock. I was like, what is this? But uh, <laughs> listen, I'll take it. <laughs> I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that voice you hear is Max von Essen, who has uh, been kind enough to join us today and talk about his uh, journey into middle-aged warrior-ism and how is middle age treating you? Were there any big surprises for you? Anything you didn't anticipate besides the pandemic and shutting down for all these months? Other than that. Oh man, yeah. I, I certainly did not anticipate this. And it's, and it, it's been a real, real challenge because I mean, like we've been talking or talking about American in Paris, talking about like what a moment and how I've sort of like, I feel like I've, all that's been happening is, is that I hit more of a groove. You know, I feel like I didn't really even kind of understand myself as an actor or a singer or really know my voice till mid thirties, you know? And then I was like, oh, I feel like I have a sense of how to do this, you know, as opposed to just going on blind, like, you know, blind instinct and, you know, talent or gut, gut feelings. And then, you know, things were starting to get easier. You go, oh my gosh, like I'm actually saving some money. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm preparing for retirement. Oh my what goodness, a concept. oh my goodness. Some people just call me for jobs and I don't have to audition. That's rare, but some, because of my reputation and things I've done, things start to fall into place easier. And there are, of course a million things I still want to do and it's still a hard industry, but you start to reap the benefits of how hard you've worked o over the years. And that's a nice feeling. And so it is pretty shocking to, to be at this point. And, you know, I'm still fighting it. I, like I said, I'm proud of a lot of my friends who have veered in another direction or gone back to school, but man, I just don't want to. I, I've like, well, worked really hard right. to get to this place. Oh, no, I'm not going. Right. Yeah, I'm not going. Um, so I'm really, it has, you know, I just didn't, didn't see this coming. And if we hadn't had the pandemic, I, there's no reason why it, you know, would have for me at this point. I was just, I feel like things were just going so great. And I was, well, you know, what can you do? So that's me, a little of a shock. Let me ask you this, though, in terms of on the theme of middle age, do you feel in your career as you're starting to get, I mean, you look amazing. You don't really look your age, but 
do you feel that there are things you're already getting aged out of, so to speak, opportunities? Or are you getting aged into some that are even- Oh, different? both. Yeah, both. Because um, it's just, that's just, you know, that's just the way this industry goes. I mean, if you, if you can't play this, I mean, I'm not going to be Tony and West Side Story anymore. Um, but it's also exciting to be taken, not more seriously, but to have the gravitas of a little age and maturity and to be able to play a, a dad on a TV show or, a, you know, a, a lawyer or, you know, go into a show and play some, some, you know, just some more mature roles. Or, you know, the years of my working has now even opened up some more opportunities in the concert world. And right before the pandemic in, in January, I had a night at Carnegie Hall, which I had like, I dreamed about my whole life. And here I was performing with the New York Pops, me and a soprano, like it was our night. So I also, with, with age and experience, I'm, I'm getting opportunities that I couldn't have even dreamed of. So it's both, you know, I'll, I'll miss kind of like playing some of the youthful roles or some great roles when I was younger, but I'm also excited to, you know, work this beard a little bit. And, you know, my, you know, we're being my forties, be that, be the hot, the hot, you know, good looking forties guy. I'm kidding. I don't think I'm hot or good looking. <laughs> well, Cut that out. Cut that out. Oh, now you're there. But, you know, going, going real quickly to the, to the other side, as, as we're getting... The other side. Cheated on time by Zoom. Not going to say it, but I just did. You did some television. You were on The Good Wife, Gossip Girl, uh, Royal Pains, Sex in the City 2. You were on a Netflix series, Submissions Only. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, mm -hmm. do you, how do you find... And I think you and I have had this conversation at Family Gathering, television performing versus Broadway. They're so different. What are the challenges, and which one are you more comfortable doing? Um, they're so different and I love it. Um, I'm more comfortable on stage without a doubt, just because I haven't had the opportunity to spend time in the environment of TV and film. Um, you know, when I join in, the, 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 the credits you listed are, you know, I do guest spots. So I'm on set for a couple of days. Sometimes maybe it's just one day. You maybe you can get the scenes done in, in one day. So, you know, you're stepping in, you're nervous, you're not part of the, the returning cast. It's like you don't want to screw anything up. And it's just the pressure of performing and not knowing the environment, not knowing the names of all the crew guys. You know, it's just it's just tricky. But I do know that, you know, for once, one time, I, the good wife thing I filmed took several days. And after a couple of days, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? You know, by the third day, oh, lots, you know, I'll just show myself to my dressing room. You know, and so it's just a sense of like being a little bit more comfortable getting the nerves down. I know that if I spent a little more time in the TV and film world, but I, but I will say I prefer live theater. I just can't help it. There's just such a thrill about, um, you know, getting in front of an audience, you know, rehearsing, having it completely memorized and just like letting it go. That's in that moment. It's live. You can't go back. You can't correct it. It's, it's so unique, it's so special. It, it relies on the feeling that the audience is giving you, whether it's through laughter or applause or total silence. You can hear a pin drop, which is an incredible response in itself. So I just, I, I can't replace that. Like that, that's one of the, the, the part of the industry that's like in my soul, but I would love to do more TV and film because it's also exciting. But, but to that with a live audience then, obviously, you know, once something happens, you can't take it back or do a redo, so to speak although you get the next night or whatever the next day. But if I were to just throw this question out, what comes to mind immediately? What was the most embarrassing moment you had? I mean, I've gone up on lyrics. I went up on lyrics in Evita once, and it was like <laughs> my eye, everything just went gray. And, the and, I'm, and I have to just keep singing. Everyone's looking at me like, 
the shaking the heads like no and i can hear the conductor like oh. yelling out the lyrics but it just nothing was settling in and i just kind of kept saying the, the same things over and over and i the, i talked to some friends who were in the audience and i feel like oh i didn't even notice that <laughs> but, the, but the feeling in that moment was just brutal and then there was a time in american paris this was really fast i was dancing dancing we were like it's wonderful it's marvelous you know the three guys the ensemble comes on it's this like really wonderful kind of like loving number and i just do this like little twist with my leg and i'm center stage and i and i wiped out so hard because i was like Ooh. really dancing and i'm holding like a little journal that the character holds and it and it like i fall right on my face and the journal makes such a smack on the stage and it's the audience thought like it was my head which did hit which which did hit the stage but the sound was like a smack and the entire audience 1500 people <gasps> like just this this, this 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 combined gasp and i know i was fine i just jumped right back up just get wonderful you know my, my neck was a little pulled but it was horrifying i mean we could we could do a whole podcast about you know the the many many things that happens but that's also why i love the live live theater that audience is probably people from that night probably still talk about that night that you know that i fell <laughs> There, there is a great energy about that. You can't replace live. You just cannot. Yeah, yeah. If, that, if that's your passion, it will always be your passion. But Max, we're running a little short on time. Uh, ah, uh, but I really want to thank you for taking so much time. Universal for, for wrap it up. We're getting the wrap. They don't. You don't get a wrap on stage though in Broadway. You've got to deliver the line or not. <laughs> but Max, thanks so much for taking some time out. Yeah, really. Uh, I went oh, through this cool. without calling you by your nickname when you were little duties. Oh, oh that's fine. I see it in lights. You see it in lights. <laughs> well, my best to the family, my best Thank to you. Thank you so much. Let us meet you on 44th Street and have dinner at et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yes. Love it. Okay. Love it. It's great to talk with you, Max. Same and, here. Uh, Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Hey, Karen. We look forward to seeing you up on the Great Wide Way again soon. Yes. All right, Thanks. Max. Take care. Love you, bud. Take care. Love you, too. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.